The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty, ultra-alkaline, lithium, and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for gaming, all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use the code BOSTON, all uppercase, to check out and save 20% off those already low prices. Sam, I bet you bought, you got all kinds of, Sam, what do you get for Christmas? Throw something though, what do you get for Christmas? What did I get for Christmas? So, this is a big time flex. Um, I got a signed picture of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garland. Okay, so Sam got a signed picture of Paul Pierce. He's gonna need batteries for that. He <laughs> wants it to work right. So go to some. I got a light up or, the frame. Yeah, around yeah, it. of course. So order, order. Use code. Once again, all the case Boston to check out and save twenty percent off your entire order. Once again, that's semi-batteries.com. C E L M X batteries.com. The official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. If you need batteries for your signed pictures. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dollar Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're joined, finally, at long last, after I've tried to set this up a few times, by Bannertown USA, officially under the Guy Boston Sports umbrella, Sam LaFrance. Sam, welcome to the show. Debut, first time. I'm pumped. I, I'm, I was bummed I couldn't be here last week. I've been working and stuff, so I'm happy to be here. We had to do it with uh, Jack, of course, oh, all people. Yeah, geez, yeah, guy. yeah. I know. So we had to do it with Jack, unfortunately. But um, we do. Uh, we we uh, we are getting into this finally. We're, we're going to talk Celtics after five games, which I thought this was going to be potentially more bleak than uh, I was hoping for. I, I thought coming into this, like I was worried when I told you, I was like, "All right, I want to do it after the back to back, see where things are," because they were one and two after those first three games as we were planning this out. Right. And I and especially during the third quarter of that Indiana game, I thought, oh no, that I was ready to go DefCon. I was ready to go DefCon one for a second there. I was like, if they lose this game, they fall to one and three, and that's not a good. I mean, you know, the Grizzlies game, they, they probably would have won either way and jumped back up, and then they have the Pistons games coming up. So so those are good, like good starts. But if they had started one and three against that schedule, I wouldn't have felt good. No, I wouldn't either. And it's funny, uh, you know, you're talking about the third quarter of the Indiana game. Prior to that, I really didn't feel like this team had it in them to make any comebacks. You know, a couple of seasons ago, they would go down, and you'd say, oh, they're going to make it. They're going to come back. Especially, you know, when Isaiah was going nuts in the fourth quarter every day. But now you've got a bunch of guys that, you know, they struggled to close games in the playoffs last year. They struggled to close out the box. We're like, all right, well, you know, are they going to be able to claw back and Sure enough, they did, and I'm really proud of that because it takes toughness to do that. So we know this team has that, and Peyton Pritchard was a big part of that. He brought some great energy off the bench, and, you know, of course, you've got Tatum and Brown making some big shots down the stretch. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, they're going to win these games against – like, I, I've, you know, talking to Duncan Smith. Obviously, everybody go follow Duncan Smith because his streams are awesome and everything like that, and I've talked to him on here, and, and of course, he's a big Pistons guy. I, I know that the Pistons are terrible, and they're going to win those games – so either way, I feel like whether they lost that Pacers game, that final Pacers game or not, they were going to win these next three, including that Grizzlies game, and they were going to you know go back to over 500. But 
if you would if you would lost to these kind of you know playoff caliber teams three out of four to the Nets, Bucks, and Pacers, and then you just beat these nobodies, like nobody's going to give you credit for that. Everybody's going to focus more on what you did against those playoff teams. And so up until right. they played the Raptors in the Heat, there would still be this sense of kind of worry among the Celtics, like oh well, you know what can they do? Starting two and two, and one of those being a one point loss, I think you can kind of live with that. You can kind of look at that and say. You know that they still. I mean, we we all knew coming into this they were going to struggle a little with Kemberly without Kemberly on, and they were going to need to figure out kind of you know how they were going to play now that he wasn't around, and and you know guys other guys have stepped up who we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, but it, you know as long as they could get that two two split, I was going to feel good about it, and the fact they were able to accomplish that, especially you know beating the Bucks, who you know I I had kind of marked that off as a loss. I still think, and the Bucks have kind of. You know, had their their ups and downs to start the season as well. Of you know, trying to integrate Holiday, but that's like a really good win to start up the season. And I think a lot of people are lower on the Pacers this season. Maybe people would have wanted a sweep there, but I feel like on the road you take a one one split. Yeah, the the box win was huge for me. I was like, man, they're really especially after the preseason. I mean, they were terrible in the preseason, and they fell apart a little bit there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but they were up big against. Like they played really well in the middle of that. Yeah, that third quarter was uh, great. If the garden was full there, the roof would have came off. That was insane. Tatum hit a big three to cap off the quarter, put him up 17. I mean, that would have been something else. You've got – I mean, they were terrible in the preseason, though. I mean, seeing them come out and win that first game was very encouraging. And they did kick ass in the first half against Brooklyn, but KD caught fire and – I mean, there's not much you can do about that. So after these, they, they really need to win these back-to-back against the Pistons because, the, I mean, they would go to 5-2. Yeah. and two, Like, the Pistons right now are 0-4. They're the worst. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA. I don't know if I want to call them the worst, but they're down there. So I, yeah, they they really need to clean up and, and move 5-2, and two, and that'll put them, you know, right back at the top of that Eastern Conference playoff picture. Yeah, and, I mean, they, they should sweep this Pistons team. And these games should be nice and relaxing to watch. Get to see some Neesmith, hopefully, just so they can throw him out there, get him some experience. I mean, hopefully they blow him out. Yeah, and as we all assumed, like, yeah, they'll they'll probably be chasing the Magic and the Cavaliers all season for those top seeds, so you gotta make sure you win these easy ones, you know? Those, those right. teams are running away with it right now. You don't want to have to play those teams on their home floor. No, absolutely not. You gotta take home court mystery from those guys. Um... But we'll talk about Peyton Pritchard a little bit because that's what everybody wants to hear. That's what everybody, that's the name on everybody's mind. You know, coming into the season, it's funny because me and Jack talked about this was that Brad Stevens has a tendency not to play rookies so much. And he acknowledged that, you know, he, he doesn't, he, you know, a lot of the younger guys like Romeo, you know, Jalen didn't get minutes right away. Terry didn't get minutes right away. But the guys he, he has given minutes right away have been those guys who have been, you know, more tenured college players. So they come in with more experience. And Peyton Pritchard was that guy, you know, 40-year guy coming out, and he kind of said, you know, maybe he gets more minutes early on because he's a little bit older, and he just, you know, he's going to have that kind of, you know, he's going to have that more experience playing basketball for, you know, whatever stretch of time, whatever. And Pritchard comes in, and he he, he really embodies all of those characteristics. More poise, understands the game, that's what Brad Stevens kind of talks about when he when he brings up his name. And, I mean, it's evident. It's, it's very clear that Peyton Pritchard has all those things, and, and he has been... I think the the biggest bright spot of the early part of the season, maybe aside from Jalen Brown, it's been the play of Pritchard and, and what you're getting off the bench. Yeah, he's like found money because coming in, we were all his fans. We were like, oh, you know, Kemba's out. So what are they going to do with the point guard? Are they going to start Teague? 
Are they going to continue to bring him off the bench and start Marcus, which they've decided to do aside from yesterday? We were like, where where does Pritchard find his spot? I mean, he's going to have to play because, you know, that backup role, which would be Teague's, might be a little bit different. So him stepping up big, playing hard, making big plays is huge because this is someone that they can play in crunch time as they have. They can play him in a playoff series if they have to. And uh, to get off just a little bit, speaking of the playoffs, uh, I really like these back-to-backs when they're on the road in the same playing the same team. It, it gives you a playoff feel, and I think that's almost good practice for Brad to adjust to teams, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the Celtics bench points per game right now, as of right now, they're up eight points from last season, uh, up to 34 points off the bench as opposed to what was 26 last season. And, and they're you know sitting around 20th, which is unfortunate because I thought last night, like, oh, pretty good game from the bench. They, they were 19th heading into last night. I was getting ready to like tweet about it or something like, hey, you know, jump from 29th to you know 19th. And then I was like, oh, they'll probably be like 17th or 16th now. It'll be a juicier number. Now, that they, somehow they went down to 20th because of what happened with the other teams playing. But, you know, and, and a lot of that was kind of garbage time from, from those uh, other guys who I also want to talk about. But, like, if Pritchard's a guy that, that can give you, you know, 8 points a night, 10 points a night, like... That is exactly what they need. They don't need like a six man of the year that's going to be putting up 13, 14, 15 points a game. And if Pritchard turns into that, then great, fantastic. You know, I'm not saying I don't want him to. But at the end of the day, if he can just give them eight or nine or 10, like that improves their bench so much. They they don't need that top score. They have Tatum and Brown to do that. And eventually we're hoping that they'll have Walker to do that. They just need a guy that can knock down a few, like three or four shots a game. They haven't had anything like that. They didn't have anything like that last year. Yeah, and it's funny, uh, I was talking to Jack and uh, Tim Shields, who also does pregame with us. He writes on Bannertown. Shout out to Tim. Uh, we were talking, and I was like, oh, you know, I think Pritchard might be better than Wanamaker already. He gives you just so much more than Wanamaker did. I mean, just look at that Indiana game. He turned that around pretty much by himself. He, he turned the tides. The biggest play that stood out to me is he came down, and he threw... He threw a lob to Robert Williams, and it got picked off. And he chases down, I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Warren. All the way down, he just he just rips him. He pokes it away from behind, and the Celtics get the ball back. He prevented an easy two points for Indiana. I mean, that was awesome. That's what you need off the bench. Wanamaker, is so, he was solid, but he wasn't that. He wasn't really a game changer. This guy is a game changer. It doesn't mean he's a all-star, six-man-of-the-year, anything too drastic, but... I mean, he was kick-ass in Indiana, and he was solid yesterday, too, making a couple seals, getting to the basket. He had a nice move on a layup. No, I think the Celtics have two backup point guards now who are better than Brad Wanamaker. Exactly. And I was not I was not a Brad Wanamaker fan, but I don't think that's any sort of egregious take or any knock on Brad Wanamaker. Jeff Teague and uh, Peyton Pritchard are both, I think, improvements in that spot. And, I mean, you look at some of the other stats of their bench— they're shooting 47% their benches as a unit this season. That's 11th in the league. They're, you know, they're, they're able to have guys out there. Like, Neesmith is a guy that, you know, a lot of people were hoping to see play, and, and he hasn't. But, I mean, we saw we got to see a little bit of him last night, and he struggled. And, and I like I enjoyed seeing those guys down at the end. Carson Edwards come, came out, you know, and he, he a lot of people have been talking about Carson Edwards and how disappointed they are in him. And, and you know, the, like the fact that Pritchard's able to, you know, you know, step up over him. But he came in last night. And he was knocking down some shots, and he thought maybe he can play a larger role going forward. Their three-point percentage off the bench, sixth in the league, 42.5%. So there's some stats here when you, when you look at their bench that you're, you're kind of hoping like, 
hey, they might actually be able to have a competent bench this season and maybe even, you know, top half of the league, if that's not crazy to say. Yeah, and um, I want to shout out Shemi, too, because Shemi was someone that was getting a lot of flack, including from myself. You know, I was really low on him coming in, and he's he's been solid, which is what they need. It's nice having him on the floor when we when he's uh, actually able to contribute on offense. He, they're not playing four and five when he's on the floor anymore. He gets an open look at a three, and you're like, oh, it actually might go in. Or, you know, he's even been aggressive enough to get to the basket a couple times. He's not just somebody standing there anymore. He's improved, even if it's just a little bit, enough to help on offense, which is great. Yeah, and I remember back when he was in the draft, people thought, like, this guy, he was pegged as the guy who was going to be the biggest deal of the draft, semi. And, and, you know, it made a lot of sense because at that time, and even now still, a lot of teams are looking for that 3 and D player that can just stand on the outside, knock down shots, and play defense. And he really prototypes that very nicely. He just hasn't translated the way that you would hope it to, you know, a, you know Shane Battier with the Heat, you know, those years. when not, not peak Shane Battier, but at the end when he was playing with the Heat, like, that's the player everybody wants. And I think that's the player, you know, you're hoping to get. It's what you're hoping Semi can resemble for you. He just hasn't done it at an effective enough level. But, I mean, you, if he can, you know, knock down his shots consistently and, yeah, if he can, you know, t- develop some sort of, you know, game where he actually is effect- effective driving to the basket and everything like that, like, he would be a really good bench piece. He he profiles as a really nice bench piece. It ha- just hasn't translated. Yeah, and he's definitely getting the opportunity to do so, which I think is a big thing, too, for his confidence, you know, coming into the season, actually getting put in the rotation. And, you know, Brad knows what he's doing, too. Obviously. He's not just throwing him out there to throw him out there. He's seeing something out of him, whether it's in practice or, you know, when past years when he is solid. He has been solid in the past and made his threes. I mean, he knows what he's doing. They're throwing him out there for a reason. And he's. I think he's starting to buy into that himself, which is good. And his numbers aren't great. Granted, they're better than Neesmith and Neesmith's limited action. But, I mean, it's tough. I, 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 Semi was a guy that they, we, a lot of people thought he might be out this offseason. Like, you heard... Semi even say himself that I thought he was out. They were figuring out the Gordon Hayward situation and that his kind of team option was riding a lot on that. You know how that turned out. So you know the fact that he's still around. I mean, it seems like he's you know a guy that they were really considering just letting go of. And I think idealistically, we'd all love to see Neesmith jump him in the rotation. But you know the question is defense. And if if Neesmith, quite frankly. Right now, he's shooting 28% from three, which I know is, is limited sample size, but that's the same exact percentage as semi shooting. So are you really going to put Neesmith out there when he's you know, you know, know, lacking a little bit of confidence, not comfortable in the NBA yet, whatever you want to have it? Yes, he's a better shooter than Ojale, but ultimately, he's not ready for the moment. Are you going to put him out there, get the same offense pretty much because, because he's not ready? for that potential upside eventually, at some point eventually when you're trying to win games right now, especially when you, you can't really afford to you know, take chances with Kemba Walker out. You see these games that they're in, especially the ones against the Pacers, like those are razor thin. Like you got to make sure that you're you know, get, putting your best guys out there. So with how much you're losing on defense, I don't think you can afford to put Neesmith out there over Ojale, even though Ojale hasn't been any great shakes either. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned the little things he's doing, and a lot of people joke on, on Ojale and everything like that. You know, it's tough because, I, again, it's it's just I like how he profiles. It just it hasn't translated, and, you know, he's still relatively young. I mean, I th- he was a little older than, than most college guys coming out. He's 26 now. He just turned 26 about a month ago. So 
it's it's tough. I, I want Ojale to succeed. I want him to turn into that guy. I think maybe eventually in his career he could turn into that guy. I just don't know if it's going to ever be with the Celtics. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know how long he'll be here. It really depends on this year. It's a contract year for him. I mean, they can probably find somebody to replace him, whether it's in the draft next year or you know in free agency if they want to bring in a veteran. By the way, I, I think Jack mentioned this um, on the on the podcast, or he mentioned the fact that you know Robert Williams. I think he mentioned some stat like if of, of players who played a hundred games and have a hundred field goal attempts, he's you know he has the highest field goal percentage ever, or something like that. But Robert Williams does. Yeah. Wow, what a beast! But just this season, he's shooting eighty-eight percent. That's what he's. That's he's shooting fifteen of seventeen, which is ridiculous. I think. I mean, that's right now. That's a career high. He has been excellent, and I think that gives the wow. Celtics a Jeez. decision to make somewhat soon here. Okay, you've got Robert Williams, who has been excellent, of course. You've got yeah. Tristan Thompson, who has been solid to say the least. He's been pretty good, and then you've got Daniel Tice, who's been okay. Right, so you've got mm-hmm. those three guys. Do you want to keep all three of them around? Do you really? Do you want it? I mean, Tice. I feel like he has solid value. He's someone that has proven that he can play. Last year, he was pretty good in that he stepped up when Horford left, and he's been all right this year. He had a solid game yesterday. So he is someone that other teams might be interested in. He doesn't make a lot of money. I mean, you could get something you need, maybe a wing in return for someone that you have as a surplus almost, especially if they really buy into Robert Williams and he keeps this up. Yeah, I've always thought that if ideally Robert Williams would be the center of the future. Like he, his timeline lines up with Tatum and Brown. Like he obviously was a two-time defensive player of the year in college. Like he fit perfectly into that role for me. I just, after last season, and especially after they brought in Thompson, I thought bringing in Thompson was something of a death nail. Maybe not the final nail in the coffin, but the first nail in the coffin for Robert Williams' time with the Celtics. I figured that this could be the season that you look at and say, now he steps up into that role. I thought it could be until they brought in Thompson. And at that point, I said, you know, it's probably still not his going to be his time. He, you know, Because now Thompson's ahead of him. Tice, if things stay the way they were last season, he'll stay ahead of him in the rotation. And I was not confident that Robert Williams would be able to leapfrog both or either of those guys. And so far this season, Brad has played him a lot more. And he's, he's liked him out there. And he's played well. And he's shown that defensive prowess. I just wanted to look real quick because, you know, there, there are a lot of players out there that profile like Robert Williams. Like DeAndre Jordan and, you know, whoever, like Mitchell Robinson, whoever else. Uh, and I wanted to see what their field goal percentages were. Like the highs you're looking at, the career highs for DeAndre Jordan are like 72%. The career high for Mitch Robinson's like, you know, it's 74%, whatever it is. 88% right now. I know it's only, you know, I know it's only five games in, but wow, 88% is ridiculous. I mean, and, and I don't expect him to have some, you know, two for eight game where he's going to bring that way down. Like, right. that is a ridiculous, ridiculous start. I don't know how close he's going to be able to stay that season, but when you start off that hot, uh, I, I know. Again, it's just it's it's just stuff around the basket. But he has he's had some nice you know shots. I remember I think last game he got an offensive rebound, and did a little uh, a, a tiny little fadeaway. It was only like you know five six feet. He but it's it's a jump shot. It's not just a layup. I think it was against Indiana. He literally just kind of pulled up. I, do you remember that he 
he got the ball at like the top of the key and there was no one closing out on him at all. He took one dribble and just took a jumper from like the, the free throw line half circle. Yeah, so it's not like it's all dunks and layups. It's not like it's all just stuff like the little bunnies around the basket. Yeah, he's making skilled shots in the post. You're, you're right, like the little fadeaways and stuff. Like he's improving. Yeah. And it's funny, you were talking about those other guys, DeAndre Jordan, Mitchell Robinson. I've said this to Jack, oh, I couldn't even tell you how many times. I feel like he has the potential to make an out of nowhere kind of jump like somebody like Whiteside did uh, a few years back, Clint Capella, where they just kind of get it. And they, they're they the same, similar type of player, athletic, shot blocker guys that can finish around the rim. He He's poised to make a big jump out of nowhere. I don't know when it's going to happen. It might be happening right now because he was excellent down in the bubble too. But he is definitely... He's ready. He's ready to do something like that. Yeah, when you look at his field goal percentage by distance this season, it says that he's not. I actually he's eighty eight percent. Or no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at this wrong. He's he's eighty eight percent overall, ninety two percent from zero to three feet. But then he's still like sixty six percent from three to ten feet, and it says from sixteen plus feet, a hundred percent. So that must be the pull up you're talking about. But I mean, you know he. He does have, I, I, he has had moments like that where he pulls up from mid range and it's it's not bad. But uh, you know, we'll see how much that that becomes a part of his game if he you know d- d- carved out a larger role here. But I'm just, I, I mean, if if you get a guy that's that efficient, it is rare. Even on guys that just shoot dunks and layups, it is rare to have a guy that shoot that high of a percentage around the basket. It's not like you're, you're all uncontested. Usually, you have a guy, you know, even if you get an offensive rebound, that putback's going to be contested. And the fact that he's able to have that touch around the rim and finish at such a high level, like, that is a skill that's going to be underrated, because a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, he's just easy, easy, it's just, he just shoots dunks and layups, that's easy, and, and that's fair to some extent, but when you're doing it, like, that is elite, elite status when you're doing it at this well of a rate, it's, it's rare, I know it sounds crazy, like, to talk, be talking about dunks and layups like that, but it is truly something that we don't see around the NBA, guys shooting this well at that. Layups are not easy. You know, it, what, dunks and layups. You mean, what about your dunks? What the you dunks, doing? you know, I, I, they're very hard. They're very hard. I, I still haven't made one yet. It's, it's not as easy as everyone takes. So it is impressive that he's making that high of a percentage around NBA defenders at the rim. He's picking his spots. He's becoming a smarter player. And if you listen on the on the broadcast, Scal's got great things to say about him, and he's always saying how hard he used to be on him. So he's he's changed Scal's mind, which is probably a good thing. You know. Scal's someone that's been there. He knows what he's talking about. So to your larger point, I do think Tice is a guy that they probably look to trade at some point. And I think that the logical kind of thing to do is attach him to that trade exception that you're eventually hoping to deal. Like, he's a logical piece. Romeo Langford, to me, logical piece to attach to that trade exception. Like, those are the two guys I look at the most and say... I think it was the same thing with with Neesmith. And I know I, I just kind of acknowledged that Robert Williams was able to overcome this. But it was the same thing with me with Romeo Langford and Neesmith. When they drafted Neesmith, I said, he's probably here to kind of take what Romeo Langford's role is, especially not only because he was injured, but we just didn't see a lot from Romeo last season. And when we did see him, he looked athletic, but he didn't look like a lottery pick to me. He looked like a guy that was very, very raw. And, you know, there are guys that have grown like from being very, very raw. I just didn't see, I don't see like a lot there. Maybe some other team does. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I, to me, I think that you, you attach that trade exception to Tice, Romeo, and maybe a pick or something like that, and you try to get something. If it's something very lucrative, 
Maybe you give up more than that. Maybe Grant, maybe a player I don't want to mention that has, has a lot of value right now. I don't want to mention trading or I might be beheaded, but mm. um, another young player. But, um, you know, I, I think it depends on the value of the player you're getting. But either way, um, I do think that eventually you're going to have to figure out what, you know, what you're going to do with Tyson. And you're, I, I think the logical option, you're right, is to trade him and, and figure out what, what his value is across the league. And, you know, a guy that can shoot the three a little bit, with maybe that's a reason they might want to hold on to him, is because they, they want that five that can almost a little bit stretch the floor for, you know, different units. Maybe that's the argument of why, hey, you know, you don't want to give Tice that fast. And uh, maybe that even depends on how Grant develops this year, if they feel like he can play more of the five on a regular basis. But uh, as far as what his value around the league would be, like, yeah, Tice is a, a pretty solid defender, you know, pretty good role player. You know, can hit a three, uh, you know, once in a while, every couple of games. So I think the teams would be, you know, have some level of interest there for him. I just, I don't, I don't know that it'd be a ton, but like, I think he'd be, you know, an additional piece to a trade or it's a, a trade on the margins where a team would be like, if they have, if they're really deep at wing and they don't need, you know, one of their guys there and they say, oh, we, we kind of need a big, a backup big. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those trades where, you could make it and people would walk away and say, you know, that's a good trade for both teams. Both teams got something they needed. Yeah, he, he is. A, I think he's a valuable piece just because he doesn't make that much money. His contract is up at the end of the season, which is another reason I think they might get rid of him because I think he's going to get paid more than the $5 million he makes or whatever it is. And I don't know if yeah, they want to pay him that. Um, I mean, it, it's possible. I don't, like, Thompson made nine. Would Tice make nine? Like, I think Tice is maybe a little worse than Thompson. You know, I, so I, I don't really know what his market would be. I, I feel like... It, it wouldn't be higher than, than, I feel like, eight. I would find it really surprising if he made more than, like, eight a year uh, in free agency. Fair. I, don't th- I never think of things like that. <laughs> I always think, I'm like, oh, everybody's just going to overpay because that's how it is. But, yeah. yeah, you're probably right. It's just such a strange situation because when they brought in Thompson, I was like, we, Jack and I were trying to figure out who the hell they're going to start. And they're looks like they're sticking with Tice. But you've got Robert Williams, who's just been so good, it's making it tough on them, which I guess is a good problem to have, right? Yeah, I don't think anybody expected them to go with Tice and Thompson. I think a lot of people thought it was an either-or situation, and it ended up that they really liked both those guys in the starting lineup, which makes a little bit of sense. And again, people mentioned, kind of hinted at coming into the season, like, hey, do you think Tice maybe goes back to his original role, which was as more of a power forward? And that's what we've seen. But, I mean, you know, maybe Brad Stevens wants to stick with that. And ultimately, we'll see. Because we know Stevens did come out and say after that, uh, I think the last Indiana game, uh, or maybe it was the first Indiana game, that he came out and said Robert Williams was our better, best big tonight. I thought he was better than Tice, basically. Because I think they were asked, why wasn't Tice in there down the stretch? And Brad Stevens said verbatim, I thought Robert Williams was our best big. Which kind of, you know, calls out Tice a little bit. Just to, you know, say, you know, he, he lost his spot in the rotation at least for tonight. And we'll see if that kind of starts to continue to progress that way and, and how that develops. Because, you know, there's a chance Robert Williams does get a lot more minutes as backup center, but Tice just moves to the forward because he has that kind of versatility and he plays a lot more minutes at forward and maybe that works for them. I don't know. It, it, it's, I'm a little iffy on it. I think you don't have enough offense on the floor, if that's the case. I, I it, You know, I liked seeing Teague in the lineup last night. I wanted Teague to start all season. I think that works when you have him out there. Because you have a real true point guard. And Marcus Smart, he's a really good passer. I just think, he, you know, run, when he was running the offense, it still feels a little bit chaotic. I think Teague's a guy that really slows it down. Veteran presence, you know, a guy that, you know, is just going to 
it's, it seems like he's really in control when he's out there. And you see some of the plays he makes, like, especially when he, he's able to find Tatum outside. You know, the way he, I think he drove into lane one, just kind of paused, waited, kicked it out to Tatum for a three, and he, he's able to knock it down. Like, I just like the way Teague runs the team better than, than Marcus Smart does. And I know people love Marcus Smart, but I, when, I, when I watch them play, I think Teague is a lot more in control out there. No, I agree. And Marcus, the point guard, is something that's uh, kind of unique. We've seen it in the past, and I think he does an okay job facilitating, especially in the pick and roll. Yeah, and it's great defensively, obviously. Right. It's great defensively. But I, I was surprised they didn't start Teague up until yesterday. I thought he would be the opening night starter, and then you have Marcus at the shooting guard. But I guess they didn't want to do that. Yeah, obviously they liked going bigger. And that makes sense against a team like the Bucks. But and, and even to some extent, yeah, against the Pacers absolutely makes sense. Like you, you, when they have Sabonis and Turner out there. If they're going to do that... Obviously, you have to throw that unit out there. But I think with most teams who generally, you know, teams are playing smaller, I think those those two are kind of the exception, then, you know, you kind of have to play that, that group with, with more wings and more mobility. And I think, like like I said, for, the, for offensive purposes especially, Teague is better. Smart at the one with, like, Brown and Tate, like that, and Tyson Dodson, that team that defense should be or that unit should be really good defensively i don't think it has been as good defensively as they were hoping for because they've had their lapses even with that unit on the floor and you know profiles are really nice defense and we'll see maybe once they get more chemistry you know four of those guys played together a lot last season but thompson's obviously a new piece maybe they just need to figure it out more and tyson's to adjust to playing on the perimeter more but I mean, I, I think Brad's even said he wanted that unit out there for defense, and it didn't work for defensive purposes. So uh, I, I think that you know having that better offense out there with Teague at the, at the one is is the way to go until you got until they're able to figure that out. But you know, I, I don't I don't know I don't know. Brad Stevens has always been a guy that's leaned defense, so I, I don't trust that he's going to make a move like that that would you know that he perceives as as hurting his defense and you know just helping the offensive side of things, especially because. It seems like they trust Brown and Tatum to, to carry them, and that's kind of their plan. It's just that those are the only guys that are going to shoot and score most of the time, which is fine, but you, you know, you can't, they're not going to put up 90 combined points. You need other guys out there who are going to you know, contribute at a significant level. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned you know, they, they play those guys for matchups, and I agree. They were great to have as the starting front court, right? against uh, Milwaukee, because they had Giannis, of course. And I thought Thompson did a solid job defending Giannis when he had to. And then they also had them against Indiana, which was also a good matchup because Sabonis and Turner. I didn't understand, and Brad said that he was doing that for matchup purposes. I don't understand why he did that against the Nets when you've got KD, who is, like, not a big that someone is, uh, that Thompson is going to be able to stay in front of really well. I mean, he did an okay job getting in front of him, but, I mean, he was making shots. It's KD. Thompson has been impressive in terms of his defense, I think, for sure. And I'm happy about that. And I like – it's funny that we're talking about this now because now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking, well, maybe they shouldn't get rid of Tice because it does allow them flexibility. You think, like, they get in a playoff series against a team like Indiana where they have multiple bigs starting. It's nice to have Thompson and Tice out there at the same time. Yeah, I'm trying to look up to see on the NBA tracking data's website. I want to see if I can find just the Tice and Thompson duo and see where, where their defensive rating is because uh, the, the NBA.com, they have those kind of lineup sets where you can adjust all those kind of things. I've seen on Twitter, you know, that starting lineup is not very good net-wise. 
I believe the last time I saw a tweet, the defensive rating was 121. The offensive rating was like 108, something like that. It wasn't very good, which doesn't make sense to me because usually to start games, Celtics play very well. I don't know if that's because usually that lineup starts the second half when the third quarter collapses happen. That could be it. But in terms of the actual first quarter start to the game, I think they've been fine. I don't have any complaints about that. Even against Brooklyn, they were fine in the first half. Okay, here we go. I I finally found it. It it is not good. Their defensive rating is 121 together, 121.3, which is one of the higher marks on the team. Uh, Obviously, defensive rating. Their their point differential or their net rating, I'm, I'm sorry, their net rating is negative 17, minus 17. So... That's not good. I want to see um, if I just go by minutes, especially with those two of line of two man lineup combinations that have played more than ten minutes together. It is the fifth worst defense of the their two man lineups. The only ones that have been worse are Carson Edwards and Neesmith, which is not surprising. I think it must have been hurt a lot by last night. Um, Grant and Robert Williams, which is a little surprising. Grant and Neesmith. And Pritchard and Javante Green. So those are the only two-man lineup combinations that have been worse than Tyson Thompson defensively, which is pretty bad when you're arguing that you're playing Tyson Thompson for defensive reasons. Right. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, and I think that they're hurt by that that lack of mobility. And, you know, I think that, that not, neither one of those guys are really true rim protectors. So you think, like, oh, I have two bigs that are, are, can move pretty well and are pretty versatile, and I can play them together. But the, Daniel Tice's and Tristan Thompson's versatility is great for a five, but it's not good for a four, especially in today's NBA. So while you think this guy's great at these things, he's great at these things for a center, not for a power forward. So you put him out there against the Nets, and Thompson gets toasted by Kevin Durant. And I know they don't have a lot of great options against Kevin Durant, but, like, I think the, the, the logic there for Brad Stevens might be a little bit flawed. He might be looking at it as, these guys are really good at this, but he, he fails to recognize the fact that when you put them at the four, they're no longer good at those things. They're less mobile than any other four that teams are going to have out there, and it's going to be really hard for them to, you know, keep up with the, the speed and the pace of other teams and, and just them to stay with whoever they have to guard in that situation. Oh, man. So Detroit tomorrow, they've got all the centers in the world. I'd imagine we're going to see that lineup again. Yeah. And and well we'll, we'll see it because they they I mean it depends what what you want to do they have Blake Griffin down there do you want to match Blake Griffin with a big or a wing with the way Blake Griffin is now he's probably not blowing past you so they, they might decide to go with Tice there just for uh, just for fun their best defensive lineup minimum ten minutes this season uh, at least the two at uh, the two man groups kind of like blue man group two man group uh, is Daniel Tice and Jeff Teague together have been excellent which is. Another reason to like Jeff Teague, man. I, I just said put him out there for offensive reasons. He's no sludge defensively either. He's a pretty good defender. So uh, that's tops. Let's let's go through the rest of them just for fun. Daniel Tyson, Grant Williams is next. Tatum and Teague. Another shout to Teague. They played seventy nine minutes together already, which is close to a team high. I can't say for sure that it's a team high, but it's up there. And then everybody's favorite, Pritchard and Jalen Brown. And then just just for the heck of it, Teague and Jalen Brown are next. So and then Pritchard and Daniel Tyson are next. So. By the way, you know who's not in any of those, surprisingly? And I know it's early. It's only five games. Tatum. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart isn't in any of those. And those are the best defensive lineups they have. What about, uh, I, I don't know if I missed it. I'm sorry. Pritchard and Robert Williams. Yeah, Pritchard and Robert Williams I don't see on here. I, 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 really? I tell, well, I, yeah, I'm telling you that it is very, very difficult. They're, they're about, I don't know, uh, let's see, 
81 different two-man lineup combinations. So to search for the like specific ones, each one, like I, I missed Thompson and Tice probably about three different times while I was searching for it. Like it was on the first, very first page. And it's just, you're kind of like scanning through looking for like the one name. And it is very, very difficult to just find that one guy. They played 39 minutes together. Their actually net rating is plus 16, which is pretty good. Yeah, they, they were part of that comeback in Indiana. They, they were like the dynamic duo out there. So, But their defensive net rating is actually pretty low. It's 116, which is, uh, I shouldn't say pretty low. It's, it's kind of on the bad side, 116, not great. But their offensive rating is 132, which is uh, very, very high. I don't know where it would rank among, uh, actually, here, I can pull it up right now. They are fifth among uh, two-man lineup combinations in offensive rating for the Celtics that have played a minimum of 10 minutes. I, I, and this is crazy. We, we just, we're just having fun with the line of combinations page right now. Just coming up with some fun stuff. Do you, do you want to take a guess which duo has the highest minimum 10 minutes again? I feel like it's a fair benchmark to set. And it, it, by the way, even if I didn't have the minimum 10 minutes, this would still be number one. Okay. But what do you think is the, the best offensive rating on the team among two players? Um, I want to say it's the G. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I, I want to give you a chance. Right. I want to give you a chance. So I'm going to tell you ahead of time. You would Sorry. never guess this. You would never in your life guess this. See, I would have wanted to say the Jays, but I don't think so. Let's see. Nope, We've no got problem, Jays. probably... Now I'm trying to get creative. I want to say Jeff Teague and like Grant Williams or something like that. Okay, so the Jays are at 114, just for perspective. The Jays are a plus six, but they played a lot together. 108 minutes, so that's more... But that's pretty good still for 108 minutes to... You know, those guys are going against top lines... For them to be plus 5.9, that's pretty good. And they're, they're already over 14. You got one of them right. And I'll give you some credit because uh, that, that is a tough pull. It was it was Jeff Teague. Um, the other one, Semi Ojale. Really? Jeff Teague and Semi Ojale have an offensive rating right now of 161 in 30 minutes. I which is been, absolutely, absolutely absurd. I would have been super pissed if you said Robert Williams because I was my I was debating between those two. <laughs> I, and, by the way, 30 minutes is a small sample size, but it's not that small. Like, like 30 minutes is, it's not like it's nine minutes, you know? Like, for them to play 30 minutes together, that's that's kind of on the high side, especially for an obscure, you know, kind of team like that. Just for perspective, the best offensive rating in the NBA last year was the Dallas Mavericks at 117.5. <laughs> and Jeff Teague and Semi Ojale are at 160.9 right now. So, um, by the way, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Number two is Semi Ojale and Robert Williams. <laughs> at Dude, one, Shemi's a flamethrower yeah, right now. So, he, his, he's a beast. His stats aren't good right now, Semi. I think he's shooting, I think I said 28% from three and like 40% from the field. So it's not great. But somehow when he's out there, man, the offense is just clicking because he's in the number one, the number two, and the number four uh, uh, ranked offensive rating two man units on the team, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I don't. Know I wonder how, how much that actually matters. How, how much do you think these stats have to be meaningless? Right. I don't think it's entire. I, I think it matters very, very. Little. I'm not talking about offensive rating as a whole. I'm just talking about like the two man, like just with Shemi. I mean, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. No, it makes zero sense. I think it matters just a little bit. I think you could, you know, I think it depends on what you're looking at. It's, it's, you have to match what you're looking at with the eye test. So when we see like, 
um, the fact that the Thompson-Tice lineup isn't working. I think that that, you know, that lines up with what we kind of are seeing on the floor. Right. And it's a good thing to experiment with, you know? Like, it's a good thing to say, like, if Brad Stevens is looking at this and saying, like, wow, you know, this, this lineup's really working, it's like, let's just throw them out there. Let's see what they are they able to do more together. Like, I, I think that if you have that freedom in a game to, you know, maybe either you're struggling a lot and you need a spark or you have a big lead and you want to throw those guys out there, like, I think it's a good thing to kind of test but if you, but like, do I think that, am I, am I saying, you know, oh, like, benchmark is smart, start Jeff, start Jeff Teague and semi me like, no, I'm not gonna go that far. You can't read into it 100%. But like, it's a fun thing to play around with. And it's something I do think Brad Stevens probably looks at, he probably looks at every stat, but I think it's something he probably, you know, the guys on the team are probably like, you know, yeah, let's, let's experiment with this. I mean, I think two man is a little too finite i think you want to go to more three man like the only reason i went to it is because i wanted to see specifically just thompson and tice but right yep yeah and, and by the way i i should know i switched to three man right now three man lineup combinations and um these are going to be have less minutes obviously because two man you know it's, it's easier to have you know more minutes with, the, with those kind of guys but with the three man lineup combinations the number one uh offensive rate right now is is jeff teague semi ojale and Jalen Brown so that might have had a lot to do with last game and when Jalen Brown was just being a flamethrower because it's 195.5 which is absurd <laughs> so a lot of that uh, production from or, or supposed production from Tegan and semi might have something to do with the fact that uh, Jalen Brown was on fire but um, I should know Jeff Teague semi and Daniel Tice is number two and none of those guys <laughs> Are that good? I, I, maybe they were playing with somebody insane too. I don't know, but uh, maybe actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, maybe Tice was the other guy out there when, when Brown was firing it up. I don't know, but but um, like I said, it's fun to play around with, but it's and it's uh, it, I think it's it's fun to experiment with, but unless it matches the eye test, it's it's probably you know it shouldn't be anything you're writing home about. Like you're not you're not you know Jeff Teague and Semi Ojale. I don't think are saving your offense. Maybe you have to pitch that to other teams in like a trade package. Like, yeah, dude, look yeah. at this offensive rating. You're telling me you don't want to give us Harden for that? He He's just magical. You put him on the floor. Like, you know what's funny, too, now that I really look at this? Oh, my goodness. This is insane. This is absolutely, actually insane. Semi Ojale. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Semi Ojale is in all 10 of their top offensive rating lineups. By three main lineup combinations, all ten of them. Really? Which is that? That's that is that's that is else. actually insane. And I feel like that is something. I I, I I don't I can't say that for sure. But the fact that he's in all ten of them is is absurd. N- nobody else in all ten of these. It's the the tenth one is Pritchard, Robert Williams. I feel like we're at, we have like tin foil hats on right now, and we're like. <laughs> Yeah, what's going this on with biggest, Semi, man? I don't know. This is the biggest conspiracy. We're hyping right him up now. this Semi podcast. Like, I, I was, I was so, saying good things about him. Now we're finding all these obscure stats. No, but this is like, this is like ten point Semi Ojale is going to save the Celtics offense. Like Ojale, um, the tenth one is Ojale, Robert Williams, and Pritchard. They played fourteen minutes together. The ninth one is Semi Ojale, Tatum, and T. They played twenty three minutes together. The eighth one is Ojale, Robert Williams, and Jalen Brown. Eight minutes together. Uh, the seventh one is Tristan Thompson, Marcus Smart, and Ojale. They played six minutes together. The next one is Brown, Thompson, and Ojale, six minutes together. The next one is Tatum, Williams, and Ojale, 19 minutes together. Next one is Teague, Robert Williams, and Ojale. They played 15 minutes together. That's the fourth ranked uh, by offensive rating and one of the higher ones by minutes as well. 15 minutes together. 
Uh, 166.7 offensive rating with Teague, Williams, and Ojale. Um, the next one is Smart, Teague, and Ojale. They played eight minutes together, 170 rating. Uh, and then, of course, Teague, Tyson, Ojale, and Teague, Brown, and Ojale. So somehow, that is that's, that really isn't nothing. I, I can't stress that to you enough, Sam. Like, uh, like the one-offs, that even the two-offs, are probably you can write off as nothing. The fact that he's in all ten is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but I, I think it's something that, you know, a lot of them are very, very small sample size. Right, but the fact that he's in all ten, and it's like... This is the thing especially is that you would look at these kind of lineup combinations and you would say, oh, well, you know, he's probably playing with Tatum. You know, he's probably playing with Brown, too. That's probably the fourth guy in just this three-man group, right? But there are no groups in the top ten that are like Tatum, Tice, and Brown or something like that. There's none of those. Which, like, if you would you you would think that okay so let me play this scenario out for you right so brown goes crazy last night right yes so jalen brown goes absolutely absurd let's say i don't know what the lineups were on the floor when he was going off but let's say it was let's say it's their starting lineup with teague smart brown Tate. let's just say it's teague smart brown tate Mojale. i know that lineup wouldn't be out there but let's just say that that's the easiest for me to remember teague smart brown tate Mojale. okay all right so um the, the jalen brown goes crazy with those five on the floor um Teague, Smart, and Ojale are going to get an offensive rating boost as a three-man lineup because Tatum and Brown are doing those crazy things on the floor. Um, but they're not necessarily responsible for it. However, a lineup of Teague, Tatum, Brown would also get that boost and would also get, get the same offensive rating boost and would also be benefit from that in these kind of three-man lineup combinations. What's crazy is we don't see that other lineup that was supposedly out there helping Ojale get this offensive rating so much being present in the top 10. We don't see anything like that. We don't see... It's just Ojale every single time in the top 10. That is the absurd thing, is that you'd think someone, some other lineup would pop up that doesn't have Ojale in it that would, ex, that would help to explain why he's so high in these rankings. I really feel like a crazy person right now. Um, but this... I mean... The fact that there's not is is blowing my mind. Yeah, I don't. That's that's so weird, isn't it, man? <laughs> you, I think, I think it's it because <laughs> those other lineups, like let's say Tatum, Brown, and Tice, because that's one you threw out there. It's because they're playing more minutes, so they have more more chances to like go on lulls. But like the semi the semi ones, like I guess when he's out there, they're on fire. Maybe he like he's like the morale king. Like he gets on the floor and everybody just gets kind of hyped. Yeah, I don't know. I want to see what his. Or maybe he gets on the floor and everyone's like, "Damn! Like I really have to pull some extra weight now on offense." So let's turn up. I think the best thing to look at is whatever his real plus minus is, because that would probably explain a lot. I don't know if we can. That probably would. Yes. See, let's see. Wow, I don't. I. I uh, this. This is not even updated. They don't even have statistics for 2020, 2021 yet, which is awful. Um. But yeah, I, I, that is that is wild that he is in all of those. I mean, I, 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 I hope I can find it. I'm gonna try to see if I can find this a little bit here. Um, I don't know. I, I also wanted to talk about Jalen Brown. We totally just got went into a, a huge rabbit hole there. Just started talking about conspiracy theory type level stuff. But I wanted to talk about Jalen Brown and his kind of rise this season. I think a, a lot of people after last season thought Jalen Brown. Maybe he had reached the ceiling. There were some people that thought Jalen Brown was never going to be an all-star. They thought... Who was that? I, I'm saying that there were people out there, like... That, like I, Nick Wright? 
Well, is that, is that who it is? Well, and, and local radio people too. But but you, you know, there were people before last season that thought Jalen Brown was overpaid, which I thought was always ridiculous. Like I thought they got him at the right time. Yeah, I always thought he after that first year where they had the playoff run, you knew he had something. But you heard that stuff. There were people who didn't think he would ever be an All Star. There were people that you know thought that you know what they'll always be a fringe All Star type, type of guy. This will be his ceiling. This will be the kind of player he is all season. Not that. You know, he's a player that doesn't have potential, but that this will this will ultimately be what he is. He will just be a fringe all-star and nothing more. And this season, he is probably their best player. He's probably been their best player over Jason Tatum. I don't think that's crazy. Jalen Brown has the most points scored in the league right now. Yeah. So he and he has been the best player. He's the most consistent guy. And I was talking to Jack, you know, after that big uh, loss in Indiana after everyone was pissed about the Tatum shot, including myself. I was like, damn, like they really should have gave it to Jalen Brown. He was taking good shots in that game. Like he, that's the thing about Jalen Brown this season. He's getting to his spots and he's making whatever shot he wants. He's not settling for content. And Tatum's been better since that shot, by the way. We got to give him credit. He's been going in the post a lot more. He's been doing the little step through, which I absolutely love. And he gets people on every single time. He has been better with the shot selection. But Jalen Brown. He's been taking those jumpers from the free throw line. He's been getting to the basket and finishing his layups. With all, It looks like it's easy for him. Yeah, it really does. And I think there was a huge debate for a long time. Like, who's better, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? Who would you build around Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? And it was always Jason Tatum. It always was. And I don't think it was even close, to be honest with you. I thought it was, it was Tatum and a runaway. Now that Brown's doing this this season, like he's making a real argument. The people who had always said Jalen Brown, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. People would say, oh, Jalen Brown, because he, he's more athletic. He has a higher ceiling, all this kind of stuff. I was like, but Tatum's just offensive skill, like the, the way he moves with the ball, that is rare. Like you can just see it. It's just he has a quality that you look at the way he's able to, to do those things. Brown will just never be that smooth with the ball. And the, just his efficiency, I still don't think Brown's as, as good of a ball handler as Tatum is. But just the the way he's shooting right now and the way he's able to score and just his moves seem a little stiffer. If, I mean, if I can say it like that, it's, it's still a little more mechanical than, than Tatum, who's more smooth. But he's just being he's just so efficient and it's almost like uh, intricate now. Every move that Brown makes is, is has a purpose and it's just it's he knows exactly what he's doing every single second. And that's what makes him so talented and what makes him so good. Yeah, I, I never understood why people loved that debate so much. I understand. Like, I kind of understand. Dude, who cares? You've got both of them. I understand why we're talking about it because people do care. But I don't understand why. Why do people care? You've got both those guys on your team for a good amount of time now. Yeah, I think the idea was that if you were going to trade one, then who would you rather keep? Like, I think that that was the idea for a long time. I don't know why. I always felt like Jalen Brown was more, I want to say, like, guaranteed. Like, he was he was going to, he, he was the safer option to me to keep if you're going to trade one of them, to be honest with you. I always felt like, and even, like, it's just a silly thing that I get in my head, and I'm not, like, bashing Tatum. I like Tatum. I just feel like sometimes, like, oh, what if he falls off? You know, what what if he... What if he slows down? Like, he came out in the preseason and didn't play very well in, like, the first game or something. I'm like, what if, what if he's, like, not actually that good? You know what I mean? Like, people are always saying he's not that good. And, like, I'm like, no, nah, he's good. He's good. But I, I get in my head sometimes. I'm like, well, what if, what if he actually isn't good? What if he, like, starts to suck all of a sudden? But I, I guess that doesn't actually happen. And I'm just a psychopath. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think that um, ultimately, I, I think that, that there's no chance that Jalen Brown isn't named an all-star at this point this season. Like he, No, he has to be. He's been excellent, and he's making great decisions. He's playing smart, plays good defense. And just, he's everything you could ask for right now. And last night against the Grizzlies, like, he still shot really, really well, which is always, like, kind of a, a uh, it hurts the, the argument to me a little bit just because it's like, well, you know, is he getting those shots every time? Like, it, it's hard to shoot 71% every night. No one's going to do that. So, but at the same time, like, the fact that he's able to be put up that 42 and, and like, can like, it's just about, like, can he continue to get those good looks? Is he going to be a focal part of the offense? Because... I know there was that one game against Indiana where he only got, yeah, I think he shot like a really great, great percentage. I tweeted about it at the time. It was like he was shooting 60 something percent, but he only got 13 shots in the game. And it was like, why, you know, if he was, I thought that was a big reason why we lost. And like, they didn't make it a point to, to make him a focal part of the offense, make sure he gets going because I mean, like, I mean, we mentioned that this is no secret that they're, they're relying a lot on Brown and Tatum in the early part of the season. And you know, when, when you look at the All-Star team, I don't know who's going to get knocked off. Personally, I think, you know, obviously Kemba's probably not going to make it considering he's missing a big chunk of time here. I right. think there's a good yep. chance Kyle Lowry gets kind of knocked off. I don't know what his stats are so far this season. I know the Raptors are struggling. I don't think Kyle Lowry's that good. I say this all the time to Jack. And, like, he had a good series against the Celtics, and he was a real prick to play against. But I think he's super-duper overrated. Like, he, I don't know. I think people love him too much. I don't think he's... A game-changing player. Well, his numbers, they're pretty good right now. 90 points they a are. game. Um, so, it, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a chance he misses out on it this year. I, obviously, you need to make room for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So, it's, it's going to be tough for Brown to sneak in there. Especially, like, this year in the East, it's, it's not going to be easy to make the All-Star team. But I think that he, he's, he's done enough at this point, And if the Celtics have a good record then Brown and Tatum are probably both going to make it. And I think that it's going to... Let's, let's do a mock all-star okay. team. Okay, mock real all-star quick. team right now. So let's so. see. You've got Kyrie and Katie are locks because the people are going to... If, if they do fan voting. Are they doing fan voting this year? They, they must. Say? I mean, they're, they're not going to have the game, but they're going to have... The, that, I hate that's, fan That's voting. what also makes it difficult. Well, I think it's it's yeah. always been like 50% media, 25% fan, 25% player. I think that's the split they, they decided to come to a few years ago. Yeah, that's what it should... It should not be over the top fans because yeah. people are stupid yeah i remember zaza almost made it one year and that's the year they decided to change it but um yeah I, the other issue is going to be that there there's obviously going to be no injured uh replace injury replacements because of the fact that uh the games are not actually being played so they, they don't there's no reason to make put injury replacements in there so this is what the team was last season um kemba probably gets knocked off trey because he's not playing. trey probably doesn't yeah. So Trey, yeah, no, people love Giannis him. doesn't, um, Embiid probably doesn't, Simmons doesn't, uh, Butler probably doesn't, and Tatum probably doesn't. Okay, uh, and the, so these are the names I, I didn't say um, that they're the spots that are potentially up for grabs. And I'm not saying they definitely are because I think a lot of these guys could make it, but um, these are the guys I'm just throwing out there as potentially up for grabs: Kemba, Pascal, Kyle Lowry. Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, and DeMontis Sabonis. And Sabonis is an interesting one because I think the fact that he made it last year was, I mean, he was good last year, probably wasn't all-star level. Like, that's one of those guys that makes it in the East and people out West complain like, oh, I can't believe this guy's an all-star in the East. Like, he would have no chance in the West, blah, blah, blah. But um, 
Uh, he's gotten better still this season. He's averaging 21 uh, right now, or almost 22 points and 11 rebounds, and 7.3 assists. Like, those are Jokic-level numbers. It's ridiculous. So um, he's going to have a good case again this year, uh, and it's going to be hard to knock him off. Because, so I, I think that it would be, it would have been easy going into the season to, to look at that list and say, oh, Sabonis is the guy, the odd man out there. I think it's harder to say that now with what we're seeing him do this season, which I think is real. I think that he's really, really this good. Yeah, he was a beast against Celtics. The, the only thing that could hurt him is, I mean, well, the media votes and the players vote. But the, I mean, I don't know how much 25% is fan voting. How many fans are going to vote for Sabonis? Like, that's a small market. You don't hear about the Pacers much. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Brown is going to get a ton of fan votes. And I don't think the media is going to be someone that votes out Brown. People love Simmons, who so they're going to put him in. Even though I don't think Simmons is better than Brown right now, the way Brown's been playing, and I'm biased. If I had to pick, I, I think that the... Well, obviously Kemba's off, right? But but you need to make room for Durant. So we say Durant takes Kemba's spot automatically. Absolutely. Okay, automatically. So well, let's say Kyrie takes Kemba's well, spot, yeah, just for the okay, sake for of position. Okay, for positional, fine, fine. Um, and let's say... I mean, you have to give... Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think because... You need the the rule is you need obviously the, the starting lineup two guards two forwards and a center and then on the bench you need two guards two forwards and in the center and then you have two kind of wild card spots. So or I don't actually I, I don't think no the center thing isn't right it's just front court players is how they do it. But um, anyway so you need two guards and two front court players or three front court players I should say. But um, so sure we'll say Kyrie takes Kemba's spot just for the sake of so, sake of uh, positional versatility. But I think that. Um, if we say Simmons and Butler both make it, Butler's listed as a guard on this uh, lineup page. I don't know if he's still going to be. I mean, he's a guy that can swing either way. I don't know if he would still be this season. But let's just say he is just for this this argument so we don't need to worry about it. And Brown would be listed as a guard if he made it anyway. So whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. So let's say that uh, Kyrie automatically takes Kemba's spot. Okay. All right. And let's say let's say Durant takes Pascal's spot. Just just for the sake of this argument. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Pascal maybe being... You know, in the in the game, but just for the starting lineup purposes, because Pascal was in the starting lineup, no, it's not going to happen this year. It's going to be Durant. Okay, so that's definitely going to happen. Right. Then on the bench, we're saying Butler and Simmons are locks, and we're going to say Tatum is a lock, and that leaves us with two front court play positions and uh, two wild cards. All right. Um. That yeah, and that's tough, and I think that I I think Brown should be able to snag one of those, but. It's, it's not going to be easy. I think it depends on team success by then, too. So if the Celtics are towards the top... I think top, this is going to be the toughest year. Yeah, I think this will be the toughest year to make it, though, in, in the East in a long time. I can't say since when, but it, in, in a while. I just feel like the way Brown's playing, you can, and people are talking about it, too. It's not flying under the radar. I mean, he has to be. He's, he's, yeah. over the, he's in there over Lowry, for sure, right now. Not, not mm-hmm. maybe not then, but right yeah. now he is. Yeah, it, it's very early for us to be discussing mm-hmm. this, but why not? I know, but but what the hell? Uh, I, I mean, yeah. If we're if we're just saying who's ahead of, he's ahead of Siakam right now. Yep. I mean, he's probably ahead of a lot of these guys. It's just about when he. I mean, we, we expect him to kind of cool off a little bit here, and maybe his average goes down to like twenty three. You know, which is it's great. It's it's tough. It's the same thing with Robert Williams' field goal percentage because when you start off hot. I think it's 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 harder to come down than it is to rise back up. You know, I think it's harder to climb back up when you're starting off at a, at a low level yep. than it is to drop down. Like, when, especially when you're feeling that hot. Like, it, it, it's it's great to start off great. Like, that's a that's a big takeaway. And also, I think 
I think Jalen's shooting like 58% right yeah. now. He is shooting an unreal field goal yeah. percentage, and he's taking a lot of jump shots. Yeah, which also makes it a little more concerning the fact that they're three and two because you start to think like you know if he's if they're only three and two when he's this good right now, what does that mean for the future? And and I will say that I mean the, the game against you know the games that he he wasn't like he wasn't necessarily great again in those Pacers games. So you know maybe that's a little bit of a uh, you know, uh, like poorly thought out thing by me because uh, you know it's not like he was you know going off in those Pacers games and they were losing. He he wasn't fantastic in those games, and uh, I think the Nets game he had twenty seven. Um, so you know it's it's not. I mean that was really so really good, but you know it wasn't he wasn't having those forty point nights or anything like that. So, um, but either way, I I, I think that obviously right now he's in. I'm just wondering like those are the guys you're, you're really talking about him competing with is those those uh you know that group of players and. Uh, right now, obviously, if you were looking at the power ranks, he would be ahead of them. Is he going to stay ahead of them all season? I think he. Pro- I think he can stay ahead of Lowry. I think it's going to be hard for him to stay ahead of Siakam because once public perception comes back to what it is, like people, Siakam is. It's it's harder. It's hard, the hardest All Star game to make is your first time, and there are guys that can attest to that. Like out west, I know like Damian Lillard is a guy that always was knocking on the door for a while and was struggling to finally get in. And um, can I find anybody else out west? Let's see. Uh, like Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, those guys were really struggling to, to finally break their way into the game. And they finally did. They got into that kind of club. And, and by the way, a guy that didn't make the All-Star game last year who's also going to be competing for a spot, Bradley Beal in the East. Like, that's a, that was a, that was a yeah, big very snub. True. Um, even Russell Westbrook, who's, you know, the Wizards are not... Oh, that's right. And the Wizards aren't good right Names now. Names suck, don't they? Like, those dudes are... First of all, they haven't won yet. If they're if they're not good, the media is not going to put them in. Like they didn't put Beal in last year. I don't, year. Th- and that's another thing. I don't think players that aren't winning deserve to be in as I much. Mean, and it it shouldn't be even an argument. If your team sucks, how much of an all star? Certainly, are? right now we can say I think guaranteed without a doubt, both of them are not making it. They are not going to be good enough for both of them to make it. There's no chance in, in right. that happens. If if and they're on the playoffs, that Wizards team isn't yeah. that terrible either. No. I mean, it, we're talking about two guys on the same team right now. That we're like, yeah, like these dudes like could be an all star. Yeah. Like these are fringe all stars. You got two of them. Thomas Bryant's a solid player, and they brought back Bertans. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what's the friggin' problem? Are they playing elite teams? Not really. We don't no. have to talk about the Wizards, but just like, I mean, what does that say about those two guys? How good are they really? Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't look good. Um, but either way, I think right now it is. I, I they could still turn it around. They could still be you know maybe a playoff team. You know, four games in the end of the world, but of course. Yeah. Uh, they they had two games against hey the best team in the league the Orlando Magic so that's not uh, but they did lost they, Celtics will see him next week yeah they did, Friday they did lose to the Bulls which uh, <sighs> that's not tough. great yeah that's that a tough Bulls one. team um, but I still think they could turn it around to some extent be okay but I don't think they're going to be good enough to warrant two All Stars so they're no. they're maybe getting one it would probably be Beal I don't think it's going to be Westbrook he might get some some fan voting love but the media will not let Westbrook get in. If that team is not in the playoffs, um, and they, they didn't even put Beal in last year when they were like the ten seed, I think, or the nine seed, or something like that. So when he was having a spectacular, spectacular season, like it mattered that much uh, that you needed to have Sabonis in over him. So it's like th- these are the guys you're talking about him competing with. I think right now, again, like I said, it's he's ahead of them right now. Most of those guys, it's just about whether or not he can maintain a, a high enough level of play to not only be ahead of those guys. But be ahead of them enough to curb that kind of 
bias that you give towards guys that you that are uh, have the label of all star already, right? Like you when when we talk about all star, like you say when you talk about oh the Raptors, they have two all star caliber players, right? They have two all stars and and because right. they've already made it, they're established that way. And when you look at them, you see their name and you think all star. And it's that's why it makes it so hard to break into the game when you have other good players lurking around. So the Celtics are going to have to be look if you want to have two all stars. You have to be at least, at the very least, a top five seed. I think Miami had two last year. I don't know where they were at the break. I think they were a little higher than they ended up. I think they were maybe you know third or something like that in the standings. Right. When they had uh, Bam and Butler make it, but um, even still, you you got to be at least somewhere in that top five if you're going to have two. Obviously, the Celtics had two with Walker and Tatum. Uh, the Heat had two. The Bucks had two. The Raptors had two. So you know. If you're in that top four, the Sixers had two. So again, top five is that line of demarcation. If you want to have two, you got to be in that spot. And uh, and that's really the question: is is can the Celtics be in that spot without Walker? And if they can, then I think Brown probably should make it. I, I think they should be. I, I hold them to a really high standard. I, I'm biased too. I'm super biased. I'm like the most biased yeah. dude. But I mean, I think they should have swept the Pacers. I'm bummed that they didn't. I think they should sweep Detroit here. We'll see when they play Toronto next week. I think they should win that game too, but who knows? I, I think they should win every game. It's a, I mean, I still think they should have beat the Nets when they played well in the first half. I just think they shit the bed and I was pissed. But oh man, they they did a good job against Milwaukee. That was that was a nice confidence boost for me, to be honest. Because the the preseason, I was like, man, what the hell's going on here? Maybe they do need Kemba, but we're starting to see guys step in to uh, their roles a bit here too. The last thing I will say to close out this podcast, because we've gone right. long here. We've gone very, very long. The last thing I want to say is that there is a semi ogile conspiracy out there, okay? While we've been doing this, I have been trying to look up real plus minus offensive rating for different players across the league. Nowhere are these stats updated. They're all blank for this season. They're not putting them up. And the reason they're not putting them up is because Semi Ojale is the best offensive player in the league. It is the league's best kept secret. And they do not want anybody to know about it. Okay? So just hear me now, NBA. We are on to you. We are absolutely on to you. We know what's going on. And we will not let this secret be hidden much longer. We absolutely know the conspiracy that is happening right now. And it is that Semi Ojale is the best basketball player in the world. And it's no longer going to be a secret. We are going to get the word out, and you are going to be exposed for keeping it from the public. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh man, this is crazy. I, I literally, I'm not. I, I'm no joke with you. I go to offensive rating on TeamRankings.com, a great, a great page for stats, right. and it says no data available. No data is available in this table, and I'm like, hmm, what the? Hell? That's that's weird. And then I go to ESPN.com, and for for RPM, where they're supposed to have RPM, and that that says no data available there either. If I go to ESPN RPM with the the Hollander stats or whatever, so I don't know what exactly is going on here. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in VA, but I do know what is going on. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. I, I, I we we know we're on to you, okay? And 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 you will be taken down by the likes of Semi Ojale and his his followers, okay? This is this is turning into a cult, but uh, <laughs> you know I, I don't know. <laughs> this is this. This is the craziest thing we've been covered on this podcast in a long time. So um, I am going to go tweet about this, and we're going to uh, we're going to work on this um, this case because no longer should it be kept a secret how good Semi Ojale is. It, it it can't be kept from the public much longer. That's right. Trade for him, teams. All right, Sam. Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Fall, yeah, yeah. 
All this is just to hype up some Miyotoli's trade value. Of course. Sam, thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. A, lo- a long one. I know you have to get out of here at some point. I want to do this extra early. I didn't think, I didn't do it uh, in anticipation of us going this long. But uh, yeah, very, very uh, good episode of the podcast. I think this is. I'm glad to contribute. This is, um, man, this, this is one of the longer ones I've done and one of the weirder ones I've, I've ever done. I was glad we got to put on our tinfoil hats and really talk about some, some good semi delay fodder. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a good time. Thanks for having me. I, li- I like talking, so I'm always down to come on and <laughs> help out with whatever. I mean, we, we always have fun when we have you on, especially within heckling distance. That's always a good one. Um, we had you on the Celtics pod. We'll have to have you. We're going to have you this weekend. Actually, yeah, I, I think, for, yeah. completely forgot. We're talking tomorrow, I think. So yeah, we are gonna have some stuff to talk about, huh? <laughs> yeah, semi like Wait till wait until we tell Jack about this. Should we just should we just not tell Jack and we just yeah. kind of start bringing up how good semi is? I yeah, think that's Jack, what we do. Jack but ready, you and me right now. He went to bed at nine a.m. today. Can you believe that? The man is a maniac. I can. I get. This is what we're gonna do. You and me are gonna go on the show. And we're gonna we're we're just going to you and me just as much as we can we're gonna sneak in stuff like yeah like we're gonna be talking and say like yeah and obviously Semi Ojale has been a big part of the offense and we're gonna say and you know they gotta get more minutes for Ojale and we're just gonna keep talking we're gonna talk about Ojale as much as he, we can until he catches on and it's like what are you guys doing like what what are you and uh, I think for the first few he's gonna be like uh, has, has Ojale, like this is what he's gonna say I guarantee you he's gonna be like yeah yeah. Has has Ojale been that great? Am I like am I missing something, guys? Like, is, like he's gonna say something like that? Like has, has been really- I feel like he's gonna be like he's gonna be like yeah like you know I was wrong about Semi like I was really hating on him and then uh, you know he's played he's proved me wrong you know something like that. And then he's okay, gonna okay. Catch on maybe after we'll see, fun. guys. Tune in tomorrow uh, when uh, or for for the for the show. And I don't know if it's being done in the locker room or not, but I, I know that we're gonna we're gonna do it. So uh, whatever it's recorded, uh, check it out because and, and watch for our bit that we're gonna do with Jack because uh, we're really gonna mess with him. And as long as he assuming he didn't listen to this, which he probably won't. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Again, follow Sam on Twitter at Sam NBA. Check out the pregame shows over at Guy Boston Sports. Great pregame shows. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, we did get you in there too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great time. One of these I, I, have, I have a good enough shirt. I don't have a suit, but it's a pretty good shirt I have in there. I have a, I have a, like a button-up shirt and a tie, but I don't really want to just... I don't know. Is that is that good enough? Like, should, would I, should I just... I mean, I could do that. I could just go button-up. I don't know the you might You might get roasted a little bit, but yeah. Just for the button-up and the tie, I might get roasted. I feel like that's pretty good. Like, that's pretty solid. I don't have the jacket. But that's solid. Yeah. Maybe I'll... I, I could faux a jacket. Like, I could just wear a random jacket, and maybe, maybe it'll look good enough on camera. I don't know, but... Uh, but all right, guys. Um, thanks for listening again. Check out those shows. Uh, they're every every night, thirty minutes before Celtics games over. Guy about sports, the best pregame show on Twitter. Um, and uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at bykjjoa for my semi delay conspiracy theory takes. Uh, follow uh, everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Follow at Work Smart Pod. Follow Jack. Just kidding. Don't follow Jack. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go to his app because he's not here. But um, you can say hi to Jack if you figure it out yourself. Um, and once again, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week and Happy New Year.